This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. The quarry and culture of fly fishing. What does that mean? 106 episodes in. Do you know what that means? The quarry, that means the fish. The culture, it means the stuff. The fish and the stuff. I celebrate both. So if you just like uh, rods, reels, and books, then this is not the podcast for you. If you just like fish and the other stuff makes you angry, this is not the podcast for you. But if you appreciate both of those things in some uh, permutation, some combination of uh, fish and stuff, then uh, that's what that's what you're here for, the quarry and culture of fly fishing. And 106 episodes in, that's what we are continuing to talk about. And today we have a potpourri of different topics, a little Jeopardy, Alex Trebek shout out there with the potpourri, one of my favorite headings on Jeopardy, just a little mixed bag. That's what we're going to talk about today, a few different topics uh, that pertain to the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Here's the first one. Uh, holiday gift guides. I'm sure if you're on social media or if you're on regular old media on the computer or even magazines, you're running across holiday gift guides. So I put mine out the week of Thanksgiving and that means it'll be out if you're listening to this when it comes out in a few days. So if you only listen to the podcast, which is totally fine, there's no rule that says that you have to read castingacross.com, but I don't go into all the nitty-gritty. I also don't put pictures on the podcast because that's impossible, but then also you you don't get the links to some of the the good stuff that I share. So make sure you head to castingacross.com and you subscribe or at least bookmark it and pop in every Monday and Wednesday and Friday because Friday you get the links I mentioned the podcast, but Monday and Wednesday are new articles. And this coming Monday, the Monday of Thanksgiving week, I have traditionally done my holiday gift guide. Now, what's the point? What's the purpose of doing a holiday gift guide? Well, if it's a manufacturer that puts the thing out or a fly shop, it's to make sales. Well, obviously, nothing wrong with that. It's 
that's how they make money. And it, whether it be the big companies or the small companies, everybody does it. And it's a good way to highlight some gear and usually done across the the price spectrum. You know, here's the $10 stuff and here's the $500 stuff. Uh, that way, if you want to patronize that particular establishment or that label, then you have an option regardless of your budget. Now, why do people like me, blogs and podcasts and websites and social media accounts, why do uh, we put out uh, holiday gift guides? Well, I can't speak for everybody, but here's why I do it. I like to showcase stuff that I enjoy. And I do that uh, in in fits and spurts across the the calendar year, um, but I really like to do it a few times of the year. One is at the end of the year uh, when everyone is shopping for something. Now you can say what you want about commercialism and the holidays and blah 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 blah, but it, more often than not, people are buying stuff this time of the year. So I do like to showcase either some things that I've already talked about a number of times that I want to put back in front of somebody's eyes or maybe some things that I haven't had a chance to showcase yet. Um, that being said, I usually do one around Mother's Day, Father's Day also because that's the beginning of the season and another chance for people to pick up some new stuff either for their loved ones or for themselves. So that being said, stay tuned. Monday's gift guide is coming out uh, in a couple of days and there's some really good stuff on there and I'm kind of formatting it a little bit different this year. I, I am providing stuff across the, the price range, everything from that sub $20 to you know half a G as they say. But I'm also kind of arranging it based upon the kind of person that you're shopping for. So I ran across a, a good gift guide. I, uh, as you know, I, I like Reddington products. I was checking their gift guide out, and they have it. You know, click for the trout angler, for the salmon angler, for the beginner. And so, if you're shopping for that person, or let's be real, if you're shopping for yourself, then uh, you can you can go right to some handpicked items just for you. Another great thing about this time of year is a lot of the small companies are trying to get some of those last year-end sales in um, because under normal circumstances, and probably even this year, uh, they're getting ready to push out their new stuff in January, February. This is usually when some things that have only been kind of inside the industry pop up and make it to social media and into catalogs, maybe even to fly shops for consumers to see. And so they're trying to clear out some of that last model and get ready for the new model. Again, you can say what you want about those incremental changes, but uh, in, in, in the business, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to sell something new and different, and it might just tickle your fancy. So uh, a lot of sales are available. It's it's a really cool uh, juxtaposition of events, the holidays and uh, things being put on sale. And so uh, check out this holiday gift guides. Uh, I, I'm not going to link to a bunch of other ones. I, I really just want to uh, highlight the few things that I put out there, but it, it should be a good article and hopefully it will be beneficial to you. That being said, you can always hop on castingacross.com anytime and put in gift guide or gifts in the search bar on the right-hand side of the page if you're on desktop or if you scroll down past all of the, the latest articles on your mobile browser. And when you get there, you can put in gifts and you'll see all of the old articles for gift guides. And some of the things may very well be out of stock, obsolete, out of production, uh, but I can't say that there's anything that I have turned around and said, you know what, I actually don't think you should buy that. I haven't gone back and looked at all of them, but 
a lot of them will still hold water. And so that's just, uh, if, you're, if you're thinking about buying some mini gift any time of the year, feel free to go back in there and check them out. And then as I always say, if you want more information, if I haven't done a full-blown article, or even if I have on any particular product, whether it be a pair of socks or a $1,000 fly rod, and you want my uh, expanded take on it or an answer to a particular question you have, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. Matthew at castingacross.com. Even leave a, a chirp on the website or on social media, and I will get back to you. I'm happy to round out my opinion on that uh, product or that guide or lodge or whatever, if, if at all possible. I'm happy to do that and just really in, enjoy having those conversations. So all that said, hopefully you you appreciate the fact that I'm not trying to push a lot of the five, six, seven, eight hundred dollar gear options. There's some that I totally believe in. I can think of a few off the top of my head that I really, really like and uh, either own or I've just had uh, in my hands to try out, and I've talked about that. But by and large, I shoot for kind of the stuff that I would buy myself, and that's a lot of the gear in that, you know, rods between the $150 and $300 range, reels between $1 and $200, and all the rest of the gear under under $150. And so I really try to encourage folks to check that stuff out because I think it is a very, very healthy thing for individuals who are getting into the sport to not feel like they have to spend a lot of money. And I also think it's a very healthy thing for the industry, to pe- for, for people to show these companies that they are more than willing to patronize them. They just want high quality stuff at a reasonable price. And uh, the, the expensive stuff will always be there and there's always a market for it. But for these companies to crank out solid gear in that mid to low mid price range, I think is very, very healthy, both for getting people into the sport as well as sustaining the, those people who are already in the sport. And those, those are the people that are going to continue to spend money and continue to diversify the gear that they have. So actually, th- this is kind of playing and riffing off of uh, a topic that I've, I've touched on a number of times before in the podcast, but actually the guys at uh, Taylor Trash Fly Fishing and the Taylor Trash Fly Fishing Podcast uh, mentioned a few episodes ago, and, and I really appreciated what they were saying. And they have a, a great perspective on this, real no-nonsense and they were talking about essentially this, this very same topic of we need to make sure within the fly fishing industry, whatever that means, as fly fishing personalities, again, saying that quasi tongue in cheek, that we are not in making people feel like they need to go out and spend top dollar. And I totally agree with that. And so while I have po- talked about custom bamboo fly rods and how much I appreciate those and antique reels and real high-end gear. Most of the stuff I fish is in that medium to medium-low price point and kind of on on the lineup of gear. And I absolutely love this stuff. My latest pair of wading boots, my latest rods, my latest reels are all in that medium price point category and they're excelling and I find myself turning to those more than some of the more expensive stuff just because they're a little less specialized and a little more versatile and I I think that again for somebody who's getting into the sport or somebody who is branching off into another facet of the sport you need to remember that just because you are a quote-unquote established angler that you kind of know what you're doing that you've been around the block that you've caught a bunch of fish that you feel like you're starting to master one component of fly fishing that doesn't mean that as you add something to your arsenal or you replace what you have that you necessarily need to go up an entire couple hundred dollar 
price level or you need to you know take it up a notch you may very well make a financially lateral move but move into something that is going to fit what you know you do and what you know you want a little bit better than what you have already and if that's even a necessary step to make or if you're branching off into a new type of fishing, so you, you've been fishing uh, normal-sized trout rivers and you want to get into uh, small brook trout streams, or if you've been fishing uh, on, on the flats for the salt and you want to go out in a boat and so you're going to need uh, a little bit more um, horsepower uh, on, on your rod. You know, just because you've been fishing for a while doesn't mean that you need to buy something more expensive. You can buy maybe the exact same kind of gear you have or realize, I can get away with a little bit less and that's okay. And I and and for whatever it's worth, whoever I am in fly fishing, I want to encourage you to do that. I uh, I find myself really getting fascinated by some of the the less expensive rods and how effective and efficient they are. I wrote this week about uh, my my first real fly rod, and I'll talk about that here at the end of the, the podcast. My first real fly rod, I think, retailed for about 250 bucks. I really, I couldn't find an ad, surprise, surprise, from 25 years ago and actually to get a real price point on it. The thing still fishes phenomenally. Is it as sensitive and as delicate as the other three weights that I've picked up in the 25 years since? No, but it, it still is great. It's a wonderful casting fly rod. I didn't have to break the bank on it. And again, I'm fishing for brook trout. I don't need anything that's going to be hung up on my mantle at the, the end of the day. So kind of as a subsequent sentiment to the holiday gift guide, just remember there's so much good stuff out there that is not ridiculously expensive. And if you're looking to either upgrade, specialize, or diversify your angling equipment, it doesn't mean that you need to spend a ton more money. Again, uh, a lot of that is me kind of riffing off of what uh, Larry and the guys over at Taylor Trash talked about and some other stuff that uh, I've certainly read and written over the years, but it's, it's good and I appreciate them bringing it up and I just wanted to pass it on also. Okay, so holiday gift guide. Don't spend a lot of money. The last one I want to touch on, I say that presumptively, uh, the last one is, have you ever thought about making a fly fishing tradition? around Thanksgiving, a fly fishing tradition around Thanksgiving. I really tried to do this uh, when I was in college. I'd come home for break from South Carolina up to Virginia and try to make it up to Pennsylvania for just at least a couple nights to fish steelhead uh, before I headed back down to South Carolina. And I did it the first few years and then it just got to be too much. It got to be too much driving and too much time away. It was a little bit too ambitious. But for me, it was like this, okay, awesome opportunity to do something big and different and maybe only once a year. And even when I moved to Pennsylvania, it still wasn't uh, something I did every other week or anything like that. It was still, you know, uh, maybe only once a month, if that, when I was living in the Commonwealth. But I've kind of ratcheted that back and said, okay, going down to Virginia for Thanksgiving, going to at least try to get in the mountains for one day. Going to at least try to get away with my kids or by myself to get into some brook trout or maybe go to a spring creek. And while everyone else is out shopping, I'm in the woods. And that, my friends, is how I would sell this if you need to sell this to somebody. You're not going shopping. 
you're not standing in long lines, which again, in 2020, I don't know who's standing in long lines. I Even before COVID, who's standing in long lines anymore. But a lot of people still shop. And some people like to do it from the comfort of their own living room after they've gorged themselves on turkey and they're watching college football or parades or whatever else is on TV, dog shows. But you can go outside and get fresh air and maybe take somebody that's with you. There's always going to be people around for Thanksgiving. So this might be your retreat after putting on a brave face and enduring family and friends for a very, very long day in close quarters. Or this may very well be a good opportunity to get somebody who you might not see but once a year and get some special time with them and, and head out into the mountains, head down to the coast, head to the local pond. And given November isn't the most easy time to fish for some climates in our country, but for a good number of them, there's still plenty of fish to be had. And say you live somewhere where there's no fish, maybe at least get outside and, and, and get outdoors and switch things up, work off a few calories. But if it's a way that you can mix your fly rod in, then definitely do that and make it a tradition. You know, you might have to sell it, but it would be a great thing to do, something else to look forward to. I absolutely look forward to the day after Thanksgiving, not for the shopping, not for the Black Friday, but just for the nothing, for the quiet. And then by the time Saturday rolls around, I am usually getting a little bit antsy. I don't have a whole lot of downtime in me before I start to get a little bit fidgety. And so I usually try to make that Saturday the fishing day or the hiking day or just the get outside with the kids day. So I would encourage you to do that also. Make that a Saturday tradition. So just be extra helpful when it comes time to setting the table at Thanksgiving. Be extra helpful when it comes time to disposing of the turkey carcass and doing the dishes and keeping the children occupied on Friday while everyone else is shopping from their laptops and their iPads. And then maybe for you, if you're good, Saturday, maybe just the morning, maybe the entire day, you can throw all of your gear in the back of the car, grab Uncle So-and-so or Cousin What's-His-Name, uh, have a little bit of turkey and maybe a little Tupperware cranberry sauce, and head up into the hills and enjoy some time away. I can't imagine a better way to spend the Saturday after Thanksgiving than fishing. Okay, one more thing. But it, this, this ties into what I was just talking about. Uh, my favorite, maybe not my favorite, that's a little bit of hyperbole, a little overstatement. One of my favorite techniques for fishing both warm water and cold water at the end of November. So a lot of my fishing is done, as you probably aware if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, in this time of year is done New England down to the Mid-Atlantic. And although the Mid-Atlantic certainly is a much more viable option, both from a regulation standpoint and from a fishery standpoint, all throughout the winter time, there's opportunities that, that I find in Pennsylvania and in, in New York and to New England as well this time of year, but especially in small streams and small ponds. So we're talking both cold water and warm water before things start to ice up, which usually doesn't happen until end of December. Uh, anyway, one of the best ways to get into fish or at least figure out where fish are is a uh, dry dropper rig. But this particular type of dry dropper rig, a nice bushy dry fly, but a small one, and this is for warm water also, with a 16-inch tag below it with a small wire-bodied nymph. So, I mean, a, a Copper John would be a, you know, a, a good example of this, but I would even go um, 
a little more uh, sparse than that. I mean, we're talking zebra midge style, uh, just a wire on a hook with maybe a little tungsten head on it and any sort of floating fly. But if I'm fishing warm water and I'm trying to locate panfish, then uh, a rig like this, uh, I think, gets them looking up. So I'll make sure I cast it with a little bit of splat on it so that that dry fly lands and creates some disturbance, creates some sort of breaking up of the of the, the surface of the water. So the fish at least look up. And oftentimes you'll see them run over when you see the splash and then they are, and again, running over is of course relative to how cold the water is. You'll see them swim over to the splash and then you'll see them reorient their gaze from what happened on the surface to what's in front of them, which is this small, I like to use neon colors. So whether that be neon thread or tinsel, or I like to use that Loon color UV product and just put a little stripe of that down the back of a, a small fly just to give it a little bit of glow and a little bit of translucence and add some, some body without making that fly too much bulkier using materials. Now you have this very, very easy to access fly for a fish that wants something that's not going to put up a fight. They're not going to probably chase a streamer. Now, the, the exact same thing is true on a trout stream. The, the splash gets the fish's attention. And if you're using something like a size 14 humpy or a parachute Adams or something like that, it's not going to be spooking these fish. But I find that it serves to act as an attractor for their attention not necessarily them eating, but a tractor for their attention. And then they have this very, very simple, easy pattern that's right in front of them. I would say another benefit of this is you're going to have fish that are be feeding very, very delicately, and they're not going to be attacking stuff, whether you're talking about the panfish or the brook trout or whatever trout are up in the mountains. And so I like to use a brightly colored one, uh, potentially even with a orange bead or um, some a white collar, something like that, so that I can visually key in on that nymph while it's in the water and when it disappears that's when I set the hook and so uh, you use your your dry not only as an attractor but almost as a cider for following that line down a uh, in your head you know a 16 18 inches in that water column to where that nymph should be you might get a glimpse of it if even if the water is somewhat off colored of just that collar or that bead and now you have something to visually clue in on and when it disappears you set the hook and you find yourself into all sorts of fish so um that's nothing remarkable nothing uh you know that i invented or anything like that it's just one of my favorite ways to get into fish when i'm really just trying to locate fish on cooler days and cooler seasons both in ponds for warm water species as well as in streams for trout this week on casting across the first article is called club in their house Tying Flies Online with Students. Club in their house, Tying Flies Online with Students. For this article, I interviewed Bo Davies, and uh, he was gracious enough to sit down with me virtually and talk about starting up a fly tying club online with his middle school students because their learning is being done virtually. Something I've been aware of and that I, I don't feel as much because my kids are younger is just how much, especially teenagers, are missing out on their extracurriculars. And so Bo have taken the initiative to start up a Zoom fly tying club for their students so that they 
have something extra to do as well as an exposure to fly fishing. So go ahead and read that article. Again, it's uh, called Club in Their House, Tying Flies Online with Students, and that was posted Monday on castingacross.com. I'll talk again about bow here in a little bit. Wednesday's article is called Throwback Gear Review, St. Croix Avid. So uh, I alluded earlier that I was going to mention this, and the St. Croix Avid was my first real fly rod. I bought it sight unseen out of a Cabela's catalog, and it was one of the best purchases I've ever made. So this was probably in the late 90s, and it has stuck with me to this day. I absolutely love it. I can bomb out long casts with it if I need to, and I can do my tiny little brook trout presentations with it. And I believe that I like it so much because I learned to cast on it. It wasn't my first fly rod. My first fly rod was an eight and a half foot graphite fiberglass combo number that uh, came from Sports Authority. But it broke very, very early on in my fly fishing. And so the St. Croix uh, really supplanted it. And it was the rod that I took with me when I went all over the place and really just dove headfirst into fly fishing. So this is a little bit of a love letter to that fly rod. And I talk about why it's still in my rotation today. So check that out again. That's called Throwback Gear Review St. Croix Avid. I'm putting together a nice little catalog of those uh, Throwback Gear Review uh, articles. They're definitely worth checking out and they're a lot of fun to write. This week's recommendation is actually Bo Davies' Etsy shop, which is called Beards and Brooks. Beards and Brooks. And Beards and Brooks is his handle on Instagram. You could find him that way. But in his Etsy shop, he does some cool stuff. He ties flies, which is great and good, and that's always cool to see people tying flies. But he makes custom nets out of old rackets, tennis rackets, racquetball rackets, and kids' rackets. He repaints them. You pick the paint color. He puts a catch and release rubber net bag in the opening and then he puts a paracord handle around the handle so it is upcycling which is awesome if if you know if you're environmentally conscious this is something that you should be celebrating there's wooden ones there are metal ones and the cool thing about again the paracord handle is that he's built them so that if you were to find yourself in some sort of pinch or you just needed a boot lace or something like that you um, pull on them in the right way and they can come off and you can use that but it's just a, a, a great you know, way to, again, upcycle and turn something that wasn't being used into something very, very useful, very, very lightweight, very, very ergonomic. And, you know, it's also just the, the, the right size, especially that he has a small stream net. So if you're fishing those small brook trout streams, you have a kid's tennis racket or a racquetball racket. And it's just this perfect little size for taking into the back country. And because it is some sort of carbon fiber or something like that, it's not going to uh, crack if you were to wipe out or treat it a little bit more roughly. So there's a link to Beards and Brooks, the Etsy shop, on the article I mentioned earlier, Club in Their House, as well as on this podcast's page on castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.
life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.